another spooky Halloween special episode VIP <laughs> true crime New England XOXO celebrity crush extravaganza TM TM of course the TM you guys know we take pride in our naming of this event <laughs> maybe some someday we'll have an actual name but that's not today no I'm sure you guys are sick of it by now but Probably. we're not gonna stop no 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 not at all. And once again, I hope you enjoyed our theme music. Yep. It's the same as last year. I remember having a lot of fun making it, especially with the random scream in the middle. I pulled up a YouTube video of like horror mm-hmm. scream. And yes. Like next to where we were recording. So it was like kind of far away, but not. We're not audio engineers, but I think we kind of fucking killed that one. Oh, absolutely. Just saying. My humble opinion. Um, no, I'm humbly agreeing with you. Thank you. So today, guys, we have our second installment for the second week of October, the next spooky episode. Mm -hmm. And you guys know, if you're a loyal listener, you know that for the month of October, we'll, you know, sneak onto that side and no other time will we do that. And if you also are a loyal listener, you know that I don't believe in any of that shit. And Katie does. Well, you're a lot more accepting of things that are unexplainable. Thank you. I feel like I've just had so many encounters myself that I'm like, oh, okay, yeah. Like, yeah. I'm, I'm not shocked at all. See, and I, I've i seen some spooky shit. I love me a good haunted house. Okay. You know, like at an amusement park, mm-hmm. which is just full of actors. <laughs> um, but I just don't really believe in it. Yeah, no, I that's think fair. Not because so much it's like the unexplainable, but because my science brain is like, yeah, right, dude. Like, you really think that the ghost of Edith Von Bueller from 1792 is in your apartment right now? Because you're on the burial ground of her infant daughter? Like, no. <laughs> See, I made that up. That could have been a great creepypasta. I mean, we got to Google that name after. And I know. Did I just come up with something really scary? Was that her speaking to me? I mean... Through the podcast? I don't know. Well tell you about it later i guess <laughs> we'll update you guys on edith van bulow or whatever i said hell yeah but either way katie you have time and time again shared stories with me about your haunting experiences <laughs> yeah from the nursing home you used to work at mm-hmm. your work now mm-hmm. and you've had some really good ones thank you that i just love and unfortunately for the sake of hipaa you can only say so much you definitely can't tell my favorite story of yours because it is HIPAA, but you can share some other situations that I think would be fun to talk about and hear. Sure. So I think my favorite one from my job now, I work in a psych ward, for lack of a better term, mm. and I also do the overnight shift. Ah. So at three o'clock in the morning, I've seen some things in the hospital. Um, The unit I was on before they reopened another unit where I was moved to, so our oldest unit in the hospital, um, 
that has been used the most. It was a geriatric psych unit, adult psych, pediatric psych, like the whole nine yards. Wow. Um, they claim that nobody has passed away in the hospital. That's disputed, mm. for lack of a better term. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I've, I've personally seen some shit. So Ooh. there was a time where on that unit before it was redone, there would be the hallway mm-hmm. with patient rooms. And at the end of the hallway, there was like this weird alcove. So the hallway ended and then there was kind of a space. Mm-hmm. So there was a weird gap at the end of the hallway. Mm-hmm. So I was watching the hallway because you have to watch the hallway in case any patients get up and you right. know do anything stupid or just for safety. Like you have to watch the hallway and make sure you're aware of your patient's surroundings and what they're doing, even if they're sleeping. Right. So it was honest to God, three o'clock in the morning. Of course it was. And I'm staring down the hallway. I'm kind of zoning out because I'm tired, but I'm like, I'm watching the hallway. I'm doing my job. Mm-hmm. I see a child run from one end of that weird mm-hmm. alcove in the back of the hallway to the other. And I'm like, I just checked on all the patients. I know for a fact they're all sleeping. Mm-hmm. Let me go down there and check it out. Right. And I go down there, and there's nobody there. And I'm like, okay. One of the kids is playing a joke on me. This is not cool. And not totally out of the realm of possibility, because these right. kids are in the psych ward. Thank you. So I'm checking on all of the kids, and really we only had one patient at the time that was that size. Mm-hmm. All of them were older and a lot bigger, but we did have one little one. Okay. I'm like, oh, he just got up out of bed. You know, he wanted to play a couple minutes earlier, so I'm thinking maybe he thinks it's playtime and he's just kind of messing around. Right. After I told him to go to bed. Right. So I go and I check on him, and he's snoring. (gasps) And I'm like, all right. Sometimes they fake sleep. Oh, sure. They think they're being slick. Right. So I walk away, and then I whip my head back in the door, (laughs) and I walk away, and I'm standing there, and he's fully asleep. Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's really weird. So my coworker comes back from break and I'm like, hey, you're gonna think I'm insane. But I saw a child, like on my mom, I saw a child run from one side of the hallway to the other and I checked all the patients, they're safe. I'm telling you, I feel like I saw a ghost. Mm. And my coworker went white as a sheet. Oh boy. And she goes, that is so fucking weird that you say that. Cause I had only been there a couple months at the time. Right. She goes, we had a nurse that used to work here years ago that swore up and down there was the ghost of a little girl that would run up and down the end of the hallway. Mm -hmm. And you just said what she said. And there's no way you could have talked to this nurse. And I thought this nurse was crazy. Yeah. And here you are. You've been here a couple months and and you're saying the exact same thing. That's so creepy. We have, it's called a community closet with, like, extra clothes and stuff for the kids. Mm-hmm. Um, the light in there doesn't shut off, and so mm-hmm. it's always on. So we'll shut off the lights for the unit so everybody can sleep. Right. And so there'll be a light coming from underneath the door because the light always stays on in there. Multiple times on multiple different occasions, I've seen feet. Ah. Like, footsteps. Yeah. Walking back and forth. Like, I'm looking at the closet, and there'll be... It's like someone's walking by the door in the community <gasps> closet. Oh, God. Yeah, multiple different occasions. Um, I've seen, like, white orbs Okay. a lot. I've seen black, shadowy figures, which I'm like, uh, I don't like you. Yeah, not a fan of that. 
the white orbs I'll deal with. There was one, it was so, it was beautiful. I was looking at it and it was in the doorway of a bathroom and it was like moving around almost and it was purple and green and white. It was gorgeous. It was like an orb and I'm staring at it and I'm like blinking and I'm rubbing my eyes. I'm like, am I fucking hallucinating? Yeah. Are you having a stroke? Right. And then the orb kind of drifted into the bathroom and that was it. That is interesting. I've seen like shadow figures run into patients' rooms, run into like the cafeteria that we have uh-huh. when I'm walking down the hallway. Um, I've heard radio static. Ooh. I've heard voices, people talking, and everybody's asleep. It'll be silent on the unit and yeah. I'll hear like radio static. Oh, that's so creepy. Or like someone changing the channels on a radio. Oh, God. Yeah. That's creepy. I yep. will give you that. Yeah. That is pretty creepy. I mean, see, I have no experience like that. Probably because, one, I my hospital, you know, I work overnights too, of course, but my hospital is very well lit. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not like a psych ward, which I feel like everyone pictures the same thing when they think psych ward. Yeah. And which we've been dark. open since the 1970s, maybe? Yeah. Hmm. So, so, you know. And nobody's died there. I call bullshit. Yeah. Frankly, um, you know, there's rumors. I yeah. believe the rumors. Um, I would too, honestly. You know, can't, there's nothing to confirm or deny because I have no idea personally. But, right, right. you know, my coworkers have told me, oh, yeah, there was this incident. Hmm. Oh, yeah, there's a rumor that someone passed away on the property. Which I'm like, I mean, and if you're doing geriatric psych too with like the older ones way back yes. in the day, I mean, come on. Yeah, obviously, right? Hmm. Yeah, see, I, I don't have any personal experience besides the one time I called upon a ghost, a spirit while we were taking pictures in a cemetery. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but other than that, with the accidentally bringing it forth to join us <laughs> on our little uh, field trip, I don't, you know, I have no other... Maybe it's because I really just don't believe in it. Yeah. That doesn't mean I wouldn't be uncomfortable in an abandoned house at 2 a.m. Of course I would be. That's fucking creepy. Oh, that's common sense at that point. Right. But I don't know. I haven't had any... See, if I was seeing an orb like that, I'd be like, I think I'm going to have a migraine soon. <laughs> and I'd take some Tylenol and probably try and get out of work. <laughs> so, right? Man. Yeah. So today's episode kind of has an air of that to it. Mm-hmm. Just a titch. Um, it's a little spooky, but more like past event based that would lead it to be spooky. Yes. Very historical. Um, there is a true crime case that we yes. will get into. You yes. know, the very essence of the episode is true crime, of course. Yes. But because of this crime that occurred, people are led to believe that based on the title, the Wood Island Lighthouse is haunted. Which it is. I think so. We're not going to find out, but I think so. I I agree with you and, you, you know, with respect. I just am saying, like, it's haunted, but yeah, like you said, there is an actual story yes. behind it. So, and a few more stories, like little ones that we have, mm-hmm. just for fun. Because for some reason, it's hard to find information from the 1800s in Maine, <laughs> in a small town. But yeah. hey. Wow. Those are the odds. I know, it's very weird. But we try. So, it'll be good. Stick around, guys. Yeah. A um, little bit kind of veering off real quick for some housekeeping. <laughs> 
before we get into the actual episode. A listener named Louise bought us not one, not two, five coffees. Five. Thank you so much. Yes, thank you, Louise. That was incredibly generous of you. That was so generous. And then you sent us a web submission as well. Yes. Um, some really great feedback and ideas. You know, we love that. Yes. 10 out of 10. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. And also a little update on our Beyond the Rainbow Fund swear jar from a couple weeks back, if you remember. Um, we had someone message us anonymously mm -hmm. and tell us that not only did they match the $125 that we raised, mm -hmm. they donated an additional $50 to Beyond the Rainbow Fund. Yes, so they donated a total of $175 to Beyond the Rainbow Fund. To when I saw that, I immediately started crying mm -hmm. because that was so amazing. And this wonderful individual said that they were going to match our donations going forward. Yeah, that's... Yeah. Incredible. And I think it shows, like, they want to be anonymous. Like, they are actually anonymous to us, really. Um, and they, that just shows how great people can be and doing things out of the kindness of their heart. Mm -hmm. So we thank you so much, friend. That was so generous. Yeah. And then another listener, Autumn, um, who, Autumn, hi, I miss you. You're so sweet. Um, she donated $100 to us to donate to Beyond the Rainbow Fund yes. on behalf of her mom, Danielle, who was diagnosed with cancer back in January, mm -hmm. and she just found out that she's officially cancer-free. Yes, that's awesome. Congratulations. That's so exciting. Yes, good for you, Danielle. That's oh, great. That's amazing. Autumn, thank you so much, and thank you for listening. You're so nice. Yes, thank you, Autumn. I appreciate it. Um, Autumn's grandfather also passed away from lung cancer, so this was okay. a very meaningful yeah. donation to her, as well as, I know you, Liz, mm -hmm. um, myself. Right. Yeah, it's just, it's really, really nice to see people coming together for a great cause. Absolutely. It's amazing. It's awesome. I know my gram would be very happy yeah. and also probably like, why would, why do you talk about me so much? <laughs> <laughs> and I know I haven't been able to tell my grandfather yet because I haven't seen him and he is old fashioned and does not like phones very much. Um, but I'm excited to tell him what's going on and how much we've raised and you know, it'll be a good time. And the link is still up in our bio on Instagram if you want to donate yourself. Um, the If you click on the link, once you get to the page to donate, you have to choose the foundation. And if you click on the categories, it's the very first option. But yeah, guys, that was a little update on the donations and the charity and also the Buy Us a Coffee, which is, again, on our website, underneath the contact page, mm -hmm. the submission tool, just saying, now the number to beat is five. <laughs> so, just kidding. That being said, we can jump right into today's episode. Um, I hope you guys stick around to hear some spooky shit. Hell yeah. And without further ado, today we will be covering... The, the Wood Island Lighthouse. Lighthouse. All right. Before we get into this spooky tale, 
we shall share our sources. Katie, what do you have for me? I have Wikipedia, woodislandlighthouse.org, New England Lighthouse Stories, and thehauntedplaces.com. Oh, wow. See, you had a lot more information than I did, and I have twice as many sources for some reason, including N.E. Lights, New England Lighthouses, Lighthouse Friends, which is a real website, guys, Um, the Portland Press Herald, Haunted Places, Wattpad, somehow, and something called What Lies Beyond. All right. Yeah. Hell yeah. So let's get into it, Katie. Will you educate the people on the Wood Island Lighthouse? Sure. Just a brief history lesson before we get into the actual drama of the case. Yes. Wood Island Lighthouse is actually still active. Mm. It's on the edge of Wood Island in Saco Bay on the southern coast of Maine. Mm-hmm. It was built way back in 1808 under orders from Thomas Jefferson himself. Oh, Tommy J. <laughs> cool guy. I think he had syphilis. Tommy J. No, that was Ben Franklin. Just kidding, guys. So when you have a lighthouse, especially back in the day, you have to have somebody, it's called a keeper, Mm -hmm. a light keeper, maintain the lighthouse. Fair. So most of the keepers took really great pride in maintaining the lighthouse. One of them even saved an entire crew of people on a ship that sank off the coast. Yes. Like single-handedly. Yes. And I'm going to tell you real quick that little story because I thought it was really neat. Um, so the Wood Island Lighthouse, of course, goes through, it went through a lot of keepers in its time just because of time passage. But the lighthouse keeper, whose name was Eben Emerson, he was the keeper from 1861 to 1865. So a good four year stint for our boy. And it was March 16th of 1865. So right at the tail end of his keeping duties when it was like 1 a.m he heard frantic shouting out on the water and obviously that makes you go oh god uh-oh and you know he doesn't have a flashlight right he has a little lantern maybe not even a lantern maybe just a, like one candle right so he's in the dark maybe the stars i don't know there was no lights is what i'm trying to get across so the Seas were super rough that morning, and he wasn't able to launch his boat into the water. So, quick thinking, he ran to his neighbor's house, and they were able to propel, like, a small rowboat into the water. So, they couldn't get Eben's boat into the water because it was, like, a big boat. But this neighbor, it was a tiny little rowboat, so they were able to slide it in. So, he gets in with the neighbor, and they find, just off the shore a broken boat that had run into a nearby ledge. And as a result, there were crewmen who were clinging to the rigging of the boat. Oh my God. We've all seen this scene in the movies. Mm -hmm. It's dark. It's stormy. The waves are crashing. The boat, every wave, the crash boat has a plank falling off of it. The crew members are hanging on with slippery white knuckles and they're screaming. They have, they're covered. They're wet. They're cold. Oh my god, it's everyone. We've seen it all. But even to the rescue with that neighbor, they come in and even jumps onto the broken boat and was able to salvage one lifeboat that was left hanging off of the damaged boat. 
And from there, he got the men to get onto it and, you know, to safety. My favorite detail about this story is that while he was on the boat trying to get the lifeboat that was okay off of the side to give to the men, he was like on the boat and he looked and he saw two guinea pigs in the basement. And so he went and he grabbed them, put them in his pockets and saved them. That's Isn't that so cute? cute? So he saved these. I just the thought of this man who's probably in like a nightgown and a nightcap, honestly. Yeah, like you know, striped pajamas yes. and the nightcap with yes. the droopy. Yeah, exactly, like a Mr. Scrooge kind of thing. <laughs> yes. He probably had like a coat on, and he, yeah, he just popped those piggies in there. Just Aww. he saved their lives. That's so sweet. Isn't that cute? I just love that detail, but. In the end, the crewmen were able to safely ride the lifeboat to shore, thanks to the neighbor and, of course, to Eben. Mm -hmm. And then, because of this act of bravery, um, he later was awarded a plaque and a brand new pair of binoculars. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. And a cage for the guinea pigs. Oh. No, just kidding. Oh. Wouldn't that be cute? (laughs) That would be so sweet if he kept him as pets. Oh, I love it. One of the most famous keepers of the Wood Island Light was a man named Thomas Henry Orcutt. He was a former sea captain himself, and he was the keeper of Wood Island Light for 19 years. Wow. He was one of the longest-serving keepers. Yeah. He was there from 1886 to 1905. He was famous mostly because, and we have a picture of this on our website, (laughs) his dog, named Sailor, would ring the fog bell for passing ships by taking the bell cord in his mouth (laughs) and pulling it with his teeth. Oh. It's really freaking cute. He's also the lighthouse keeper who was stationed at Wood Island Lighthouse at the time of the crime we will discuss. Yes. So he was a... He seemed like a good guy. Oh, yeah. No, he was great. Like, he was a classic lighthouse keeper. You guys know the classic lighthouse keeper qualities. (laughs) (laughs) Um, This lighthouse is regarded as one of Maine's most haunted locations. People are convinced there are multiple ghosts around the lighthouse for various reasons. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, there were shipwrecks nearby that weren't so lucky as the crew that your keeper saved. Yes, with the guinea pigs. Yes, with the guinea pigs. Um, Don't forget. And, of course, the murder-suicide. Oh, the murder-suicide. That's going to throw a wrench in things. The fact that it happened, too, on this Thomas Orcutt's like keepership is surprising just because he like seemed like such a he didn't do anything wrong it just like it seemed like he had a very well oiled machine like Mm. it was all good you know so the fact that this happened was like oh thomas i'm sorry like you had to deal with this shit (laughs) you know but guys just real quick you can go to this island and for those of you who are local to maine it's right across from bitterford pool so it's just over over the water there we have some information at the end about how you can book a tour Ooh, maybe that's what we'll do on our next true crime new england field trip if we go during the day okay (laughs) that's fine all right let's talk about this super sad and it's so dumb yeah this whole murder suicide is just dumb it was clearly a moment of weakness, a moment, like, in the moment, adrenaline, because afterwards, I mean, he killed himself, so. Yeah. Let's 
set the scene. Okay. So a man named Frederick Milliken, he was a lobster fisherman and also the part-time sheriff at Biddeford Pool. Yes. In Biddeford in Maine, right across the way. Yep. He lived on Wood Island with his wife and his three kids. Great. He was a pretty big man. Like, mm. he was known to be really tall and heavy set. He was 35 years old, but he was known as the gentle giant of the town. Oh. So peaceful, so yeah. kind, very fair. Um, when he worked as the sheriff, he was known for kind of resolving disputes very fairly. You know, guys, we can talk it out. Everybody take a big deep breath. Mm. So he genuinely, he was a good guy. He was a dad. Yeah, he's just a big dad. Like, yeah. that's, that was his whole vibe. Right. So Frederick lived on this island, and he had what was referred to as a chicken coop shack <laughs> on the island. Mm-hmm. So bigger than a chicken coop, shaped like a chicken coop, but a shack where people could live. Right. Just kind of his property. It was like an upgraded, decked out chicken coop. Yes. Minus the chickens? Minus the chickens. <laughs> the chickens were people. <laughs> Two men named Howard Hobbs and William Moses were working as fishermen part-time. They were mostly drifters. Yeah. Um, They occasionally made some quick money by hunting seals. Oh, I didn't know that. Back in the day in Maine, you could get a dollar per seal. It was a bounty that the state of Maine was paying. They Um, thought there was an overpopulation of seals because the seals were eating all the fish for the fishermen. Gotcha. It's crazy. It's almost like seals eat fish and belong in the water. Right. Crazy. No, that's weird. But yeah, they would do some quick kind of cash grabbing and shoot seals and make some quick money for the state of Maine. It's really sad. That is sad. But they had persuaded Frederick to let them rent his chicken coop shack so that they could have somewhere to stay for, quote, a little while. Mm. A little while turned into months. Yeah. And they did not pay him rent for months. Yeah. And that was, a, you know, a part of the deal. Sure, you can stay in my decked out chicken coop if you pay me money. Great, you got it, dude. And then they lived there and then did not pay rent, like you said. Mm -hmm. That can cause some problems. Yeah. Could. Yeah. Especially when they are making money, Mm -hmm. but they're blowing it on alcohol instead of paying rent. Oh my god, these guys were... Listen, I know it was the 1800s, but these guys were drunks. They drank like fish. Literally. They, it was crazy. If they could bathe in alcohol, I'm sure they would have. <laughs> they would have let it seep into their pores. They were drunk all the time. And in this story, too, they were drunk. Mm-hmm. And I also wanted to point out that drunk sailing is just as dangerous as drunk driving, okay? When you're on a sailing a marina where other boats are, be careful. Be mindful of your beverages. I'm just saying. Uh, yeah. <laughs> what if you hit a seal? What if you hit a seal? Well, they probably would have liked that. But, yeah, you know. back then they probably would have. Assholes, sorry. No, you're right, you're right. So let's talk about the murder-suicide, which happened on June 2nd of 1896. So, unsurprisingly, on this morning, um, Hobbs and Moses sailed to the mainland and visited Old Orchard Beach, or as us locals call it, Oob, and... While they were here, they got super drunk. It was like the middle of the afternoon at this point, And they were, they had started very early and they were booting and rallying and they were drinking and drinking and drinking. And then they hopped back on their boat. Again, don't drink and sail. And they sailed back to Wood Island. Great. I imagine them 
very loudly like bumping the boat into the side of the island and like stumbling out and like one's holding like a beer bottle yeah. and the other one's like dude maybe they're drunkenly singing sea shanties oh you know? <laughs> i can see it now wow they're slurring yep <laughs> they're greasy and sweaty oh and it's crazy to me because that's what they would do is they would kind of drift around kill sails yeah <laughs> bum it in the shack and then oh we want to buy alcohol they would shoot seals for some fast cash sure. and go on sometimes days-long benders Ugh. on the mainland. You know, I'll be honest, I have, in my past, when I have a good seal haul, I'll go on a good bender. But <laughs> And they'd come back from their bender and they'd crash and sleep it off in the shack and then do it all over again. It sounds like a good time. So this day in question was no different. Right. They were back from Oob. They were drunk, they were slurring, and they were greeted by aforementioned Fred Milliken, who was in charge of the rent. You know, it was his shack of chickens or whatever. So he was like, oh, hey, guys, now that I've, I see you on the shore here, um, I just have a question really quick about the past X months rent. Where is it? And of course... The men were like, uh, they were completely caught off guard for some reason. (laughs) You would think that your landlord would approach you for your rent. Like, why would that surprise you? You know you haven't paid rent. (sighs) Well, they were drunk, so. Yeah, their inhibitions were not quite there. It sounds like they didn't have a whole lot of inhibitions to begin with, and then they're drinking and, you know, things go south. Right. So how did William go with Frederick to the house? You know, he's very peaceful. He's very calm. He's like, okay, why don't we go back to the house and we're going to have a civil Mm. conversation and get to the bottom of this. What can we do differently as (laughs) landlord and tenant? How can we reach an agreement? Yes. It seemed, first of all, logical and normal at first. Right. Howard, for some reason, was carrying... A rifle? He ran and he got this rifle, and he's saying, this is my rifle I use to shoot birds. Right. I'm going to shoot birds. Don't worry about it. I just have it here with me. It's for shooting birds. After this meeting we're having about rent, I am going to go shoot a few seagulls. Is basically what he was saying. Yeah. Yes. Like, we're going to have this discussion, and then I'm going to go shoot more animals for fun. Yes. The discussion was civil at first. Great. But because both Howard and William are, for lack of a better term, shit-faced, things started to escalate pretty quickly. Yeah. Frederick, being the part-time sheriff, is noticing discreetly that Howard has a gun. How, just a question, like, how did he not notice it before? Aren't rifles large? Maybe he had it, like, strapped behind him or something. Oh, maybe. Or maybe he's like, okay, come on, guys, follow me. And he's walking and he has their back to them. Maybe, yeah. Maybe. Or maybe he's just so focused on, like, I have a wife and three kids. Where the fuck is my rent? Right. Frederick starts to sense that things are going south. Mm -hmm. And he notices the gun. Yeah. So he's like, hey, Howard, my my friend, buddy old pal. Dude. Do you want to just really quick hand me the gun? Just hand it over to me. Mm Mm-hmm. And then we'll carry on with our conversation. 
Yes, let me make sure that it is not loaded right now. Please. Howard starts waving the gun around like a lunatic. What do you mean it's not loaded? I don't carry this thing loaded. Yeah. Woo! Yeah. And he's like waving this thing around. Yeah. Like why do you, why would you think that I carry this loaded? Like I'm not irresponsible kind of I'm drunk mm-hmm. air to it. Frederick is like, okay, nah, give me the gun. Mm-hmm. Frederick reaches for the gun, and as he grabs it, it goes off. Yeah. And he's shot in the stomach. Yeah. It's weird because it you could make arguments that it was intentional, and you could also make the opposite story. Mm-hmm. I think it was pretty pretty intentional. I think in his drunk state, I it seems like he maybe wouldn't mind if it happened. I don't think that was his end goal was to shoot him point blank in such a fatal area. Right. Yeah. And even if it was accidental, which, I mean, like you said, you could argue either way, mm-hmm. um, it was negligent. It was mm-hmm. irresponsible. Yeah. So, of course, he's still at fault, but, you know, you could argue mm-hmm. for one side or another how intentional versus how accidental it was. Right. And unfortunately, Fred's wife was watching this whole ordeal from inside the doorway. So she ran out, she gets Fred, and she, with the help of Moses, she brings him inside. Once Moses and Mrs. Milliken took Fred inside as he's bleeding and it's messy, a neighbor and then the stepson of Milliken went into town. They got on a boat to go into town to get a doctor because it did not look good. This guy, he was, I mean, he was shot point blank with a rifle in the stomach. He was bleeding. That's a, that's a big area. And this is an 1800s rifle. Yes. So that thing is messy. That thing is powerful. It's rusty. It's going to leave a big wound. Yeah. They're not very precise because the technology wasn't all there. So, you know, it, it's just a hot mess. And Frederick's wife is distraught, to oh, say the yeah. least. Oh, yeah. Screaming, wailing, really, really upset. Yeah. And she's so sad. And Howard, the whole time, is like, oh, I'm so sorry. It was an accident. I mean, too. Oh, yeah. my God. I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm so he, sorry. He literally went into the house, like, followed them in, and was like, oh, my God. I am so sorry. Whoops. Like, yeah. <laughs> what can he do? Like, what can I help you with? And she was like, nothing. And so he decided to take it upon himself to go and tell our friend Thomas Orcutt, the keeper of the lighthouse at this current time, he was going to go tell him what had happened because he felt so terrible and he just, oh, he felt awful for this accident. He probably was pretty sober at that point. Yeah. You know how when you're drunk and then something bad happens and you're like, oh, like oh. you get sober real quick. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking I've never been drunk in my life, so I have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about, but just kidding. Keeper Thomas Orcutt told Howard that the right thing to do in this situation would be to turn himself in to authorities. Even if it was on accident, you know, even if it wasn't intentional, it doesn't really matter so much the intention behind it, more so that someone was just shot. Right. Like, you shot somebody. You need to go tell authorities so that things can be properly handled. Take responsibility. Right. Man up. Take responsibility for your actions mm-hmm. for once in your life. Right. And claim what you did. 
right? Unfortunately, Frederick ended up passing away about 45 minutes later from his injuries. Oh, that's awful. And if you think about the timing, the neighbor and the stepson that went to go get the doctor, I wonder in that time frame if they had even touched down on the mainland. Probably Like, that's what's so stressful is if you need anything, you have to get in a boat and go to the mainland. Yeah, that's incredibly stressful. Mm -hmm. Especially knowing, like, the stepson, knowing, like, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, my stepdad, you know, nervous, and then not being able to communicate back and forth, that's hard. Mm -hmm. So naturally, you know, when Orcutt said to Hobbs, he said, go turn yourself in, whatever. Hobbs didn't really like that idea so much. So he went back and wrote a note. And um, I'm not sure what the contents of the note are, but I'm sure we could probably guess along the lines of maybe what they were, because then he promptly took his rifle and shot himself in the head and died. It was so dramatic Mm -hmm. that... When he put the gun up, he actually put it in his mouth. Yeah. The bullet went up through his head, and they found the bullet lodged in the ceiling of the shack. Ugh. Yeah. That's fucked up. It's just really, really... It is very sad. It is sad. You know, the fact that he did take his own life. Yes. You could also use that to argue. Maybe he felt so bad. He was profusely apologizing. Right. He definitely regretted what happened right you know it, it just it really is very unfortunate all around yes it is it's awful and of course because fred milliken died and then howard hobbs shot himself that means there's two dead bodies on this island first of all imagine being the doctor getting there and realizing oh you have one person shot and he didn't make it and then there's another dead body you have to take care of oh god yeah but because of these two deaths There's some spooky things attributed to this story. Oh, yeah. And it seemed like the spooky thing started after this incident. Yes. Yeah. Teresa Lowell, who was the wife of a lighthouse keeper who lived on the island with the keeper from 1984 to 1986, Mm -hmm. she swears up and down that the place is haunted. Yeah. She's convinced. 1,000%. I believe it. She stated, there are spirits here, I know because I felt him. She said that she physically bumped into one of the spirits in her bedroom closet. Ooh. And she said she feels like it's Frederick. Oh. Mm -hmm. Why? Did she say why? I think because Frederick was, I don't know if it was in that same house or if she was Mm -hmm. in the living space of the keeper. Gotcha. But it wasn't uncommon for Frederick and Thomas Orca to hang out, kind of visit each other, okay. because they were on this small island together. Right, right. So she feels like it's Frederick. That's okay. just kind of like a, a hunch that she has. Interesting. And she feels like it's Frederick. And I think, too, because Howard wasn't invited into the Lightkeeper's oh. house or Frederick's house. I mean, they all kind of coexisted. But because Howard was seen as a drifter and a drunk, he wasn't really invited to hang out with them. Sure. So that's kind of also why I think that specific presence is more Frederick. Okay. That makes sense. There's um, all these things that even tourists these days can tell you happen um, when they visit the lighthouse. It includes 
mysterious dark figures Mm -hmm. who quickly vanish into the thin air. Loud shouting constantly being heard. Um, Supposedly those are the keepers of the past. Mm. Why they're shouting, I have no idea. There are also reports of consistent moaning. Yeah, like agonal moaning, which I wonder if that's Fred. Yeah, or even Howard after he shot himself. Yeah. Like agonal moaning. And they said that most of the agonal sounds are coming from the chicken coop shack. Oh, yeah. And then also locked doors will mysteriously open. That might be because it's old. But I'll let you have it. (laughs) There's also this very short story. I don't know if it's true, but it's one of those stories that, like, makes it interesting. Supposedly... At one point in time, after this incident, there was an assistant to the keeper who got so scared and so paranoid from all of the supernatural activity that he got in his boat, rode to the mainland, rented a room at a hotel, and then promptly jumped off the third floor balcony, killing himself. He was so paranoid. Yeah, that happened in 1905. Yeah, so that's pretty recent after the event. Mm -hmm. So, that's, yeah, that is wild. In fall of 2005, the New England Ghost Project, which is a paranormal research team, they were invited to investigate the island in the lighthouse area. They observed and recorded shadowy figures Mm -hmm. in the lighthouse and the walkway, and they actually brought in a medium. Her name was Maureen Wood to help them with the rest of their search. Mm -hmm. This whole thing is crazy to me. Like, so fascinating. Yeah? On their way up into the light tower, which is, you know, at the top of the lighthouse, there's the light tower. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly oh, what I was like. Oh, the light tower. <laughs> Thank you. Oh, God, that was... I clearly didn't pay attention to history class. Is this how it feels when someone's mansplaining? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Sorry, anyway, the no. light tower, self-explanatory. Maureen, the medium said that she felt a really strong energy, like a really strong presence. So they get to the top and into this, it's a tiny, tiny room. Yeah. It's really not that big. So already it's very claustrophobic. Maureen said she felt a crushing pain in her chest, like her upper abdomen and chest. Oh. And she felt a male presence. Sitting on her chest? Near her. Oh, okay. But she felt like this chest pain. Okay. The team brought with them to this kind of paranormal search, paranormal hunt. They brought recorders, infrared imaging tools, and temperature gauges. Mm. And the team member that had the temperature gauge said that it was quickly dropping in the room. Like, the temperature was plummeting. Classic. Exactly. Like, that's what they use to indicate the presence of a spirit. Right, of course. So the team start asking questions Mm -hmm. because they're thinking maybe they can ask the questions through Maureen and get some kind of answers as to which presences are there and just kind of figure out the whole story. So through asking questions, they figure out that this man in the light tower with Maureen wasn't officially a keeper of the lighthouse, but he thought of himself as being responsible. Mm -hmm. And he said he died of his own hand from a head injury. Oh. So that leads me to believe that that was the assistant that rode to the mainland and then committed suicide by jumping out the window. Maybe, yeah. Huh. They encountered another spirit, and this one was very 
distraught and very upset, and this one kept apologizing. Oh. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it. I didn't mean to do it over and over and over. Obviously, that's Howard. Yeah. At the bottom of the stairs, they were coming back down. Maureen felt the presence of a woman who was crying and sobbing, just non-stop. Mm-hmm. So she thinks that's Frederick's wife. Yeah, when she eventually died. Yeah. She oh. never recovered from that incident. She wasn't the same since. Oh, I can imagine. Um, her children and, you know, people that knew her said she just wasn't the same yeah, after. I believe it. So they think that her spirit is still residing on the island with, with Frederick. Oh, mm-hmm. that's sad. On the wooden boardwalk that connects the lighthouse and the boathouse, Maureen felt another presence. She said that this one was so extreme that it caused her to drop to the ground, and she was feeling like this agonizing physical pain. Hmm. She also said she felt this fear, like this overwhelming need to get away from something, like something was going to happen and she had to get away. So like impending doom? Yes. This all sounds like a heart attack. Yeah, sometimes when you feel like a spiritual presence, yeah. you can like chest pain. Like that's okay. like a, that's what people say. It's like a common. She said that this presence that she was feeling that was in agonizing pain yeah. and also really anxious, like impending doom, like mm-hmm. you said. She said she felt the male presence was severely injured. Oh. So she's thinking that's Frederick. Yeah. The team was able to actually capture several photos. One of the most striking ones was of a huge orb that over the course of several different images looked like a female form. Oh. So they think that's Frederick's wife. Hmm. I think that this shit's very cool and very interesting. Yeah. Um, I do believe in the paranormal, even though I think that sometimes these ghost hunters and these stories and bringing in infrared and mediums, and I think it can be kind of exaggerated for mm-hmm. the story. Yeah. Or if they're doing, you know, like a video or a documentary or something, they can kind of exaggerate things for that purpose. Right. But I do think it's very fascinating. It's definitely interesting. I mean, it makes a good story. For sure. <laughs> for sure. And I do think that when someone dies or someone is very distraught and they pass away and not a good way Mm -hmm. that sometimes their spirit can linger sure that makes sense it's unresolved especially like they needed closure yes okay fair enough the lighthouse is actually like we mentioned at the top of the episode is open for tours to the public yes to help raise money for restoration because the friends of the lighthouse yes they want to restore the lighthouse back to how it was in 1808 when it was originally built. Oh, cool. Like, original everything. Original floors, original furniture. Mm -hmm. They want to restore it and make it... Old. Yeah. Looking. And like a historical monument. Yeah, that's cool. If you would like to learn more or donate yourself to the restoration, you can head on over to woodislandlighthouse.org. You can learn more about the history behind it, as well as scroll down and look for the donate button on the bottom of their website pages. Yes. All right. And that is the spooky, paranormal, sad story of the Wood Island Lighthouse. Guys, you can go on our Instagram and Twitter and tell us what you think about this story. Do you believe in ghosts? Do you believe that Fred and Howard are all still there haunting the island? 
Um, you can find us on our Instagram and Twitter at truecrimene, all lowercase. Or you can even send us an email of what you think of this case or any other spooky stories you want to share with us this spooky Halloween. You can email us at truecrimene at gmail.com. You could also do all of those things that Liz just told you to do on our website, truecrimene.com. We have a handy-dandy submission tool where you could send us your thoughts on this case, other cases we have done, suggestions for cases based in New England, please, questions, comments, concerns. And because it is Spooky Halloween, October VIP special extravaganza TM, mm. if you have any of your own spooky paranormal stories, or encounters mm. or anything, we would love to hear about them. Yeah. We get the occasional DM, the occasional email about <laughs> spooky paranormal things. Yeah. We would love to hear more, especially for the month of October. Absolutely. And it would be very fun and interesting. Also, don't forget that you can give us a rating and a review. Go to Spotify. You can give us a star rating and on Apple Podcasts, you can give us a star rating as well as a written review. And uh, with that, we'll see you next week. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.